Based on Ephesians 5, uh, verses 1 through 20, which I'd like to read to you now. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes to those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lizzie, would you like to come and share with us? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its comfort and its inspiration. We thank you for its challenge. We ask that you will help us to hear what you are saying. May the words that are spoken be anointed by you, that they come only from your spirit. And would that same spirit speak to our hearts? And tell us what we need to hear from you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I was waiting at the bus stop after school. It was a winter's afternoon, the light already going. A man standing beside me looked hard at me as I turned towards him. And he saw me properly. I know that face, he exclaimed. Aren't you Arthur Harrington's daughter? I've always been surprised that he recognised me. 
I notice now that I look increasingly like my dad as I get older. But back then, I didn't think that the resemblance was all that obvious. That man saw in me a likeness to my father. I'm proud to think that I might be a bit like my dad. But Christian believers have a calling to a very special resemblance. Paul reminds the Ephesians that they are God's dearly loved children and that they are to show the world what God is like. It's natural in children to copy what their parents do, for better or for worse. We're to follow our Heavenly Father's example, showing what it means to live as children of the light. What would it be like to be recognized at once as God's child, just as that man at the bus stop knew me for my father's daughter? Paul says, be careful what you do. He doesn't just say that we used to live in darkness or that we were in rather a dark place. He says that we were darkness. Things are different if we've come to Jesus and we've had our lives transformed. We are light. We thought last week about how at the end of the previous chapter, Paul talks about getting rid of things that we must say goodbye to. Malice and bitterness and unwholesome talk. And he's carrying on that idea of what it means to live differently because we are Christians. The sort of life that we live must be an offering to God in the same way that Jesus offered the perfect sacrifice of his life. Peter, in his first letter, reminds his readers, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That sounds all very fine. It's fine to talk about it in an abstract sense, even if we might feel we'll never actually get there. But Paul is very clear about what it really means to live that kind of life, the life of a child of the light. What we do really matters. How we are seen really matters. Why was everybody so horrified about the terrible case of Lucy Letby? Because her behaviour was simply not what was expected of a nurse. She looked like everybody's picture of a kind and caring professional, and she was not. So the media, and probably all of us, reacted in disbelief that anybody could fall so short of the standard that people expected. There must be nothing in our lives that smacks of immorality. There mustn't even be a hint of it. There must be no impurity. 
Paul says that the kind of things those people disobedient to God do in secret are too shameful even to mention. There must be no greed. There must be no drunkenness. We have no business at all with any such things, not because we're old-fashioned, not because we're prudes, but because we are called to imitate God and follow his example. When Jesus teaches Nicodemus, he tells him, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and won't come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I'm not a great lover of housework. It must be done and I do it. But sometimes... I think I've dusted, and then the light streams in and shows up all the bits I've missed. The light shows up all too plainly what is not as it should be. Living as light amidst the darkness is not easy. It means doing the reverse of what society allows and expects. The first people to read this letter would have been in a very similar position to our own. The world in which they lived regarded sexual sin so lightly that it wasn't thought of as sin at all. You don't need me to tell you that that pretty much describes Britain in the 21st century. Chastity, faithfulness within marriage, and celibacy outside it. It's not an easy road. We might find ourselves having to cope with the ridicule and the disbelief of a world that thinks that such behaviour is impossible. But such a way of living entered the world for the first time when the early Christians began to live as Jesus asked them to. Sex seen as a gift of God and used as he intended. That's how it should be for the children of the light. And how difficult is it to banish greed from our lives? In this letter and in the closely related letter to the Colossians, when he's urging the readers to put to death what belongs to the earthly nature, Paul says that greed is idolatry. It sets up something other than God to be the focus of our attention and our desire. Never has it been easier to get hold of something that we want. Never have so many things been dangled before us just to click away. Whatever you last looked up on Amazon is right there in front of you in online advertising again and again. And before you know it, it's in your basket and it can be delivered tomorrow. This is not wrong in itself. The internet is a neutral thing. What matters is how we use it. But it's very easy to think that we must have this and we must have that and to be greedy for more and more. Of course, we live in the world. 
Paul urges the Christians in Rome, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And J.B. Phillips translates that verse, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. If we socialise with those around us, we might struggle with the fact that we see things differently. For example, in relation to alcohol. Paul speaks out against drunkenness because of what it leads to. We see all too clearly what comes from having an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. So here again, as those who live in the light, we have to show the way at the work Christmas do, on the night out, over the hen weekend. In all circumstances, we need to show people how like our father we are. I can remember learning to do joined up writing at school. We were supposed to copy a sentence several times, all the way down the page, in order to perfect the way the letters flowed into one another. Wasn't something that I was very good at, as you may know if you've ever seen my handwriting. The problem really was that as I got down the page, I gave up copying the original from the book and I just copied what I'd written out on the line above. We shouldn't be settling for second best. We shouldn't be taking our eyes off our perfect example. Of course, he is more than just an example. He lives in us by his spirit. He'll help us to do what otherwise would be impossible. Paul says, be careful what you say. Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we say shows what's going on inside us. James writes about the importance of taming the tongue, which can be just as dangerous as a wild animal. The way we talk really matters. I told you how when I was in the Netherlands earlier this year, I went round Corrie ten Boom's house with a bunch of Americans. Of course, I talked just as I normally talk, which seems perfectly unremarkable to me. But these people were delighted with everything I said. And they were very keen for me to be the one that read out the poem that we looked at at the end of the tour. You have such an adorable accent, they told me. (laughs) Those who belong to Jesus, who are citizens of the kingdom of God, should be recognisable by their accent by the way they talk. Paul's quite clear in verse 4, no obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. It's not appropriate for God's holy people to carry on like that. There are things that we shouldn't even talk about, and there are things that we shouldn't talk about in a vulgar manner. Of course, we find ourselves again in a situation where we're pressed in on all sides by the world. We can find ourselves drawn into conversations where we rightly feel uncomfortable because those around us use language in the wrong way. In the past 10 years or so, broadcasting appears to 
accepted what is loosely called strong language in a way that would once have been thought unthinkable. Some channels don't even bother to warn about it in advance because it's so apparently normal. It is, I suppose, encouraging that many people we know seem to be aware that Christians are not okay with this sort of thing, even though their efforts not to offend us can sometimes be slightly amusing. A few weeks ago, I had lunch with some of my cousins. One of them had clearly briefed her daughter beforehand about being careful what she said around me. I was aware of the girl being kicked under the table. Mum, she protested loudly, that's not a swear word. (laughs) We do need to show people that we are different and why. They need to understand not that we're shrinking violets, unable to cope with bad language and dirty jokes, but that there is a reason why we don't join in. Paul tells us quite clearly it's out of place for God's kingdom people. What are we to be like instead? We need to have the accent of the kingdom, which people really notice. We're to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. We're to be filled with the Spirit, joyful and thankful in the way we speak to one another about what God has done for us. We remember the story of the time Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi. What must that have been like? Can you imagine the swearing and the obscenity and the complaining among the people in that jail? And what were Paul and Silas doing? They were praying and praising and singing hymns to God. What an amazing witness that was. We're never likely to be in that kind of situation. But we can ask God how we can speak and act in a radically different way as we imitate him and learn to be more like him. I try to learn Italian on Duolingo. It's tough going because I really don't have a natural flair for learning languages. But I practice every day. I try to imitate the examples I'm given, trying to immerse myself in Italian and learning how it's really spoken. We need to immerse ourselves in the language and the attitudes of God's kingdom so as to reflect a different culture to the world around us. And we are to take every opportunity. Paul and his friends in Ephesus would, of course, have been surprised at some of the things that we have around us in our lives today. But there's a lot about the kind of challenges that the church faces, which they would have recognised. They lived in a pagan society which operated on completely different principles to the kingdom of God and they had to represent that kingdom to the world around them. And so do we. Paul tells them, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We have to find out what pleases the Lord and seek to carry his light in all that we do. Flooding the world around us with light, like the sun, streaming in through a window. We have the challenge and the privilege of living counterculturally, surprising people because we're those who do things differently. Nobody is pretending that this is easy. 
We may be faced with pressure from those around us and we may be misunderstood. Or we might just feel that nobody's really noticing our witness. Some members of my family, as I've told you before, belong to the Salvation Army. They wear a uniform which marks them out as different. It shows people that they belong to the church. I sometimes think that that must make things easier. People would notice immediately that there was something different about you. But we who don't belong to that particular denomination have the challenge of being noticeable for Jesus without any obvious physical difference that marks us out. It needs to be clear to whom we belong. We need to show it in the way we behave and the way we talk and by our attitudes and our conduct every day. I meet two good friends for coffee every month. I used to work with them, so there's a lot of things that we understand about one another. But they're not Christians. We always spend a lot of time talking and sometimes, especially with one of them, it's a bit of a challenge to get a word in edgeways. I always pray before I meet them that I would have the opportunity to show them Jesus. But often as we part, I think I haven't really got anywhere. But a few months ago, when it was my turn to host the get-together, I was in the kitchen making coffee when I overheard them talking in the living room. It's different for Liz, said one of them. She has a strong faith. To be honest, I wasn't really sure that either of them knew this. I really thank the Lord that they saw it like that. Somehow, I really don't know how, the message had got through. Somehow, the light of Jesus was visible to them. Our responsibility is to turn up and live the way God wants us to. We have to leave the rest to him. He will provide opportunities for us to show by our words and actions whom we belong to. The days are evil. We live in a world with different priorities to our own. But we need to rely on the daily filling of God's spirit and find out what pleases the Lord. We walk in wisdom and we walk in the light, displaying the values of the kingdom to those around us. Are we recognisable as sons and daughters of God? Would people say of us that we're just like our father? I was so pleased to be recognised at that bus stop. I'm so proud to think that I'm a little bit like my dear dad. But I want to be recognised as the child of the Lord who loves me. We pray that in all of us, that family likeness will develop more and more. Amen.